how much of the aging process is tied to diet and how much is tied to genetics? That question is sort of the headline of everything I like to talk about. I just love what I get to talk about in dermatology because I can lure people in by the appeal of anti-aging, which is what everybody's, you know, they think they're looking for anti-aging. But it turns out that all of the things that keep our brains, our bones, and our GI tracts healthy are the same things that keep our skin healthy, which are the same things that keep our skin looking young. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen or a view or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate you raising your health IQ with us. Today's show is all about looking your best and in turn, feeling your best. Today, we are going to be talking about how your diet affects your skin. Everything from blemishes to eczema to psoriasis to anti-aging foods. What should we be eating to keep those wrinkles at bay? What should we be avoiding? Well, joining me recently on the exam room live for a live Q&A is renowned dermatologist, Dr. Jessica Krantz. She is a board certified dermatologist practicing in New York City, and she's been voted one of New York City's super doctors as a matter of fact, and the accolades don't stop there either. She's also been named a New York Magazine top doctor and won a Manhattan Award as one of the best dermatologists in New York. So today on the show, you will be hearing this live Q&A all about skin health and anti-aging with Dr. Krant that we took right off of the exam room live. So what are the best foods to fight aging and how much of this can be chalked up to genetics and how much do we have control over? Well, let's get into that right now with Dr. Krant. Thank you so very much for being here. It is truly an honor to have you on the show. Uh, no, Chuck, it's an honor to be here. You know, I'm a, a huge fan of you and the Exam Room podcast, so this is a special day for me. It's so cool, really, to have you here. We get so many questions about skincare here on the show, and I'm really happy that for the first time we're able to do a full live episode about this, a full Q&A. So let's go ahead right now and open up that doctor's mailbag and see what the roomies have in store for us today. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So here is the first question comes to us from a viewer on Facebook. They write, I'm 40 ish and starting to see some wrinkles. I'm hoping that a healthier diet can smooth them out though. How much of the aging process is tied to diet and how much is tied to genetics? Good question. Wow. That is that, that question is sort of the headline of everything I like to talk about. So diet is a huge major factor in skin health and in anti-aging and genetics always plays a part in our health but i would like to immediately highlight the role of epigenetics and i'm not sure chuck if your audience knows anything about epigenetics but epigenetics are is the study of the ways in which our environment and our lifestyle choices switch on and off the genes 
that are in our DNA and can completely control how we age and what our health is like. So we may be born with a tendency for certain things to develop, but it can it's really largely our epigenetic profile which controls whether those genes become activated later in life. So we can actually complete almost completely, I don't want to say 100%, but the way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we exercise, our lifestyle, if it's active or sedentary, uh, how much pollution we are surrounded by, our stress levels, our social life and you know connection with loved ones, all of these things have been shown to control our epigenetics, which control our DNA behavior. So food and healthy, healthy nutrition is one of the most important factors in controlling our epigenetics and therefore absolutely is a major, major factor in how we actually age in real life versus how our DNA might say we could potentially age. I, I love that answer. It, it reminds me of my grandfather who had these bags under his eyes. I mean, God love the man. He 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 was such a great man. But these bags under his eyes were just, I mean, you could really pack them and, and carry it on an airplane. That's how big these bags were. But then, you know, some of my uncles and my aunts, they did not have <laughs> these same sort of bags. And I always wondered, like, what is it that granddaddy is doing to make these bags happen? Is he just not sleeping enough? Like, is sleep the top contributing factor uh, or would you say one of the top factors when it comes to making sure that your health and your complexion remains uh, really good? Well, you know, they actually have done some studies now that, and the headline of one of the articles is that beauty sleep is real. So it turns out that sleep does control not only our immediate appearance on an everyday basis, how, how we look the next day, is absolutely controlled by our sleep. Even our skin quality can be fresher and more glowing versus duller based on our sleep quality. But also, you know, many nights and weeks and months and years of good quality sleep in a row helps our body restore and recover from damage during the day. We, we clear out our toxins at night while we sleep, and not only from our brains, which I'm sure a lot of your audience is already aware of, but also from our skin. And when we accumulate toxins in our skin, it's much more damaging and much more aging. So good nights of sleep are a major, major factor in our aging of our skin, in our appearance, but of course, in, in every aspect of our health. Let's get into some specifics here. Sarah is wondering, what foods would you recommend to fight the aging process? What are your top foods for staying young? Well, that's kind of a slam dunk with you, Chuck, because I really am free to say that a wide variety in eating the total rainbow of a plant-based diet, including whole grains, including fruits and vegetables, including nuts and seeds, is really the key to the most anti-inflammatory diet and the most anti-aging. When we eat meat, when we eat red meat, even poultry, fish, eggs, and dairy, they each have chemicals and um, hormones and inflammatory factors that directly contribute to aging. So it's kind of easy for me to say 
I wouldn't even say there's one or two special foods that are, you know, anti-wrinkle. It's not even worth saying that. It's really a lifelong or, as you know, plant forward as much as you can be plant forward and reduce meats, reduce animal products, reduce dairy and reduce eggs is the most anti-aging diet possible. Tim is wondering, kind of piggybacking on that, is it more of a case of what you don't eat versus what you do eat, or is it kind of a 50-50 balance? Well, the way I like to help people change their diet to become healthier is never to say, don't eat this or don't eat that. As, you know, as little as possible, I, I like to say don't. As much as possible, I like to say add in, you know, Fill yourself up first with the vegetables, the fruits, the nuts and seeds, and all of the low calorie density, high nutrient density, uh, antioxidants and phytonutrient plant foods. And then you will have less room for the bad stuff. So I, I don't know if that's 50-50, but I say your stomach can only hold so much. So if you fill it with the good stuff, you just can't fit in the bad stuff. Ooh, that is a good answer. That is a really good answer. I like that one. That is the first time it's ever been put in those words in the four years that we've been doing this show. Fantastic. Wow. I'm, I can't even believe it. I'm, that's just, and it's so logical and it makes so much sense too. A um, couple of people are wondering about this one. Peter and Sasha are wondering about refined sugar versus natural sugar and how the two affect the skin. Is refined sugar potentially more damaging to the skin than the natural sugars found in whole foods? Refined sugar is horrific for the skin, not only in terms of the health of all of our organs, of course, and our skin as an, as an organ, but also it refined sugar directly causes aging and wrinkles. So I just love what I, what I get to talk about in dermatology because I can lure people in by the appeal of anti-aging, which is what everybody's, you know, they think they're looking for anti-aging. But it turns out that all of the things that keep our brains, our bones, and our, our GI tracts healthy is the same, are the same things that keep our skin healthy, which are the same things that keep our skin looking young. So it's easy for me. The sugar question, we, I think we know, you know, refined sugar, added sugar is a big no-no. Um, natural sugars, if they are inside the whole food, like a piece of fruit is, I think, in my opinion, completely healthy and not to necessarily be restricted at all. You have the fiber, you have the water, you have all of the phytonutrients and antioxidants that come with that piece of fruit. And, you know, for me, that is a sugar that's allowed. Any kind of sugar extract or more, more natural sugar additive is, you know, anything called like beet sugar, um, even date sugar. To me, those are still sugar. And I like to say reduce as much needing to sweeten things as possible. I have a lot of people wondering right now about eczema. I'm assuming fairly common condition. This particular question comes to us from Sheena on YouTube, wondering what are the foods that are good for those who do have eczema? Eczema is tricky and complicated and ranges from, and it really covers many conditions and disease entities, ranging from true atopic dermatitis, which is an, a sensitivity 
of the immune system with comes with rashes and sensitive skin prone to allergies, seasonal allergies and asthma. That is true atopic dermatitis, which can be have a genetic component. All the way to the other end of the spectrum, which we may call dishydrotic eczema or xerotic eczema, which is basically eczema that we cause to ourselves from over drying and over irritating our skin, even if we have no genetic tendency. So foods to eat for to help eczema include anti anything anti-inflammatory, which you know already I think is a whole food plant-based diet with lots of hydration. You know, we want food to contain the water. We want the food, the fruits and vegetables that contain the water as much as possible in our diet. And really the other end of eczema is avoiding foods or, or skin products that you know you have a true allergy to and anything that causes an irritant contact dermatitis, which means a rash that anybody would get if they have too much exposure to that chemical. Allergic contact dermatitis is a true allergy. Some people are allergic and some aren't. Irritant contacts are caused by chemicals that anybody would react to if there's enough exposure, as I just said. So there is, there's very little, it's very difficult to prove that certain foods cause rashes unless it's a slam dunk, it always happens to you and it's been tested. There is um, a very common assumption that you can control eczema by avoiding certain foods. And that's only true for very few people. Mainly the issue with most eczema is that people are not doing healthy, basic skincare. They're over cleaning. They're actually over scrubbing, over exfoliating, using cleansers and soaps that are too harsh and staying in the shower too long. Showers that are too long and too hot strip the natural oils and melt the natural oils right out of our skin. So skincare from the outside in is just as important with eczema as eating an anti-inflammatory, hydrating, juicy diet. Same question comes to us from Kimberly, but this time about psoriasis. What is the connection between diet and psoriasis? Psoriasis is another flaky, uh, sometimes itchy and scaly skin condition that is a little bit different from eczema in the in the fact that it it's really an autoimmune condition and it can be as minimal as a few spots on you and it can be as extreme as covering your whole body and when people have really systemic psoriasis it's an inflammatory condition of the whole body and unfortunately it also means that Though that people may be at a higher risk for heart disease. So it's something we really need to take seriously. And a lot of people are suffering with these days. It has a big genetic component, so it can run in families. But we have really learned over the years recently that there are some lifestyle and dietary factors that may be able to help psoriasis. One of the lifestyle factors that is proven to link to psoriasis is actually smoking. So if, and it's a lot of people who are just miserable and suffering with psoriasis, they turn to anything to make them feel a little bit better. So there are a lot, there tend to be a lot of people who have psoriasis who are smokers. And it's, I just want to say to anybody suffering that, that it's really, really worth 
quitting smoking because smoking directly flares and triggers psoriasis. Another factor that has been proven to be directly linked to flaring and stubbornness and recalcitrance of psoriasis is actually being overweight and carrying some extra weight. That creates an inflammatory cycle in your body that triggers psoriasis and keeps it going. And of course, psoriasis is, they used to call it the heartbreak of psoriasis. You know, and I think in the 70s, maybe in the 60s, they called it the heartbreak of psoriasis because it's such a miserable and unhappy skin condition. And people turn to comfort, like I said, maybe smoking, maybe eating comfort foods. So it's a really hard cycle to break. But if you're able to reduce sugar, and studies show reduce baker's yeast and brewer's yeast, that means bread and beer, and eat a whole food plant-based diet, um, it really can, for some people, basically clear up the psoriasis, which everybody thinks is only treatable by expensive medications. In some cases, altering lifestyle may be enough. Uh, this is a, a funny question from uh, Sandra. You were talking about hydration a little bit earlier, specifically making sure that you're eating foods that come with a lot of water naturally. But she is wondering, is it true that drinking a gallon a day of water can keep the wrinkles away? <laughs> I love this question. I'm so glad to answer it because I learned at the International Conference on Nutrition in Medicine with Dr. Barnard that one, he had a kidney expert doctor speaking a couple of years ago who said something that absolutely blew my mind and I never forgot it and I love to tell everybody. And it was that the, it, the idea that we have to drink some multiple of our weight in water every day to keep our kidneys healthy and maintain proper hydration actually is a myth that was created by only partially understanding a research study that came out that said that we do need a certain amount of water in our to take in every day, but that a lot of that water can just come from our food. It can come from the fruits and vegetables that are high in water content that we should be eating mostly every day. And the rate, the remaining amount of water that we should drink for the most part, I hate to say this because people are going to get a little upset, um, can basically go based on what our thirst is telling us. If we go for plain water when we feel thirsty and we're eating a plant-based diet of whole foods, which means fruit, whole fruits and vegetables, you know, that it's not too much of processed dried out food, we eat our water and we, the rest of the water we drink, it's probably enough. So as long as we stay hydrated and comfortable, as long as when we go to the bathroom and we urinate, our urine is a light yellow color, then we're hydrated enough. And that should be enough to do whatever it's gonna do for our skin. Now, if, if our urine is very little amount or very dark in color, that means we're not hydrated enough. And really that's the best way to judge, honestly, from a true medical point of view. Uh, okay, so we're not talking about water here, Naomi isn't, but she's wondering about coffee and whether or not that is good or detrimental for the skin. Well, I know I heard that some people are really against coffee and caffeine, but coffee, I am happy to say, also contains 
antioxidants. So I think in moderation, as long as it doesn't make your heart race and you're not just drinking coffee all day, if you have one or two cups that are reasonable size, I'm fine with coffee. I think that it has both health benefits and potentially some health risks in extreme overuse, but I don't worry about it. I'm a, I'm a tea guy myself. I do enjoy a good cup or two of green tea every day. Um, we got a question here from Richard. He's a funny guy. He wants to know, is it true and is it your observation that vegans really have a healthy glow? <laughs> you know, it is absolutely my observation that vegans who are whole food plant-based and who are taking supplements as needed, including vitamin B12 and potentially vitamin D, um, who are hydrated and who are also sleeping enough and taking care of themselves in all of the ways, tend to have fewer skin problems and a fresher glow. I do think it's true. There are many, many ways to be an unhealthy vegan. So I will not say that all vegans have better skin or are healthier. But if we if we follow the whole food, plant-based diet, minimizing oils and oil extracts, and I say minimizing added salt, then I think you have the best shot for the most glow. Uh, minimizing salt, is that because it, it sucks out the hydration or what, what effect does salt play here? Well, I recently learned that the, the real effect of salt is that too much salt, it actually disrupts the balance of the gut microbiome. You know, which we know is really what's controlling our health from the inside out when that's why we care about the diet. So um, they used to say, oh, don't eat too much salt because it raises your blood pressure. But it turns out that probably just added table salt, you know, is not really a factor with blood pressure. High sodium content in, in packaged foods is a problem. And, you know, going to a restaurant where they just load everything with mystery amounts of salt is not a good idea. But I say minimize salt. I, I actually, when I cut out salt completely, I didn't miss it at all because I was able to taste everything else better and have much more fun with the other spices. I happen to be a huge lover of garlic and onion. So that was pretty easy for me. Oh, wow. Okay. No salt, but plenty of garlic and onion. I got that. Um, all right, Mona, here's a good question. You talked a little bit about supplements earlier. She's wondering, what about biotin supplements? There's a lot of hype about them when it comes to hair and skin. What is your opinion on them? Biotin now, after many years of people recommending it, has not actually been proven to necessarily help hair or nails if somebody is not truly deficient in biotin. So taking it um, to boost the levels may have no effect. It does, however, um, confuse the thyroid and potentially, if I recall correctly, troponin testing, which is what happens when you go to the emergency room and they're trying to find out if you had a heart attack. So I, I do recommend that people maybe don't add in a big dose of biotin as a supplement unless you've proven with your doctor that you are actually biotin deficient. 
want to say really quickly a hi to Margaret, who is watching us over in Scotland. She says she's new to being plant-based. She's cut out all dairy. She's SOS, so that is fantastic. She says that she's feel great. So, Margaret, thanks so much for tuning in today. Appreciate you being here. Um, along those lines, somebody who is not quite yet vegan but trying to get there is Tina. She writes she wants to be vegan in the worst way, but she loves cheese so much. So her question is, is dairy truly harmful or is there any health benefits to it in terms of the skin? Oh, I feel for you. I also am a recovering, constantly recovering cheeseaholic. <laughs> I do not eat cheese at all and I miss it sometimes, you know, but as Dr. Barnard showed us in his book, The Cheese Trap, which was really, you know, a shocking eye opener, um, there's nothing that we need in cheese for our health and so many things in cheese that are not good for us, including the fact that the casein in cheese turns into casomorphins, which our brain reads as like a morphine analog. So our, no wonder we're addicted to cheese because cheese literally acts like morphine in our brains. It's comforting. It's really like the quintessential comfort food and it's addictive, it's truly addictive. But the other factors in cheese are inflammatory for us, they're hormonally active, which really messes with our skin and our health overall. And removing cheese from the diet completely, along with other dairy, can completely heal and resolve many chronic diseases, including even endometriosis, um, can help re reduce the recurrence of breast cancer and so many other proven benefits of cutting cheese out altogether that I can't say there are any health benefits. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, that's going to be heartbreaking for a lot of people. Um, Okay, from cheese to another one, chocolate. Mary is wondering, uh, it, she says that she's a chocoholic and she read that eating chocolate can actually cause acne. Is that true? It was a myth for a long time, but it has recently been proven that eating chocolate does flare acne for some people. And we know that the, the lower the cacao... Uh, percentage, the the more milk chocolate, the more toward milk chocolate on the spectrum, the more this is true. The more dairy in the chocolate and the more sugar in the chocolate, the worse it is for skin. So I have gradually over the years from my childhood with Hershey Kisses to my now wise adulthood have gradually climbed up that percentage ladder. And now I eat 95 percent dark chocolate, which I keep in my freezer. And on, for me, one square is enough for a few weeks. Mm. It's just so rich. And, you know, I, I just do it as my rare treat. And I otherwise avoid I don't eat milk chocolate at all. Ooh, one square every few weeks. We're just going to go ahead and call that hashtag goals. That is fantastic. Um, here's a really interesting question that comes to us from Mary Jo. And this one speaks to me personally. She writes, uh, I have lost a lot of weight. Fantastic. Uh, but my skin is kind of wrinkly and loose. What can I do to help that skin bounce back? This is such a tough one because 
you know, when people are doing well and taking care of themselves and following all these healthy lifestyle changes that are really a, a huge win and losing some weight and maybe other getting other health benefits. The skin does not always shrink all the way back where we want it to go. And I've recently been thinking a lot about this, of course, as a dermatologist. And although I, I know that older people, full-grown adults are more likely to sometimes be motivated to make these changes, I'm going to start trying to talk to my patients a little bit younger because when the skin is younger, it has more elasticity and it's a little um, more robust with collagen and it's a, it's a little bit better at snapping back. When we get a little bit older, or if we've been overweight for a longer period of time, sometimes the skin has stretched out and may not go all the way back. We can do things like skin thickening lotions um, that can, may contain ammonium lactate and other factors like that. And of course, eating a whole food plant-based diet really helps repair the skin as much as possible and staying hydrated but sometimes it does require a decision about whether you may wanna do some removal, some surgery to remove some of the extra skin. Everybody's different and everybody's situation is different. So I would never blanket recommend that, but for some people it's the right thing and they just feel a lot better. Yeah, and from personal experience, having lost 280 pounds, I can tell you that there does uh, come a lot of extra skin with that. And the way that I look at that is, you know, I could choose to dwell on it, I could fret over it, or I could just be like, you know what, I'm so much healthier today than I was when I was so overweight. And if that means that I have a little bit more extra skin now, then so be it. I'd rather be, you know, healthy with extra skin than uh, overweight with tight skin. So uh, Mary Jo, hang in there and I promise you, you're gonna be okay. I think that you made the right choice nonetheless. Um, question from Edith. We haven't talked about stress yet, uh, Dr. Crant. As you know, this is a super stressful time. And so Edith is wondering about the effect that stress can have on skin health. Well, this, Edith, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about because we all, I mean, we all have stress all the time, but this year has just been absolutely bonkers with stress. Stress directly affects skin health. It flares acne, it flares psoriasis, it flares eczema, it flares anything itchy. It just creates a mess. And to be honest, long-term stress, chronic stress also is aging for our skin. So, you know, we see people from cultures that are just very high stress cultures. There, there people do seem to age a little bit more than people in lower stress cultures. And what's happening is when we have stress, um, our body's cortisol level, which is the stress managing hormone that's supposed to give us energy in an acutely, immediately stressful situation, cortisol rises to just help us power through and have that super energy usually after an acutely stressful time, we'll crash and we'll feel extra exhausted. That would be normal. But when we're in chronic stress and the stress really never goes away, the cortisol just keeps getting pumped out and pumped out. And cortisol triggers a cascade of all of these other hormonal things that happen in our bodies that create stress and aging on our organs and on our skin. So stress is a major factor. Stress contributes to hair loss and so many other issues. 
So I always include stress management and I actually talk about stress with my dermatology patients in the office because it should not be ignored. Let's grab a couple of more before we close up the doctor's mailbag. We have a number of people today who have been asking about dandruff and diet and what the connection there could possibly be. Flaky, itchy scalp can be caused by many things. But if it is true dandruff, it's a condition called seborrheic dermatitis. And that is a condition of an overgrowth of a common skin yeast that lives on everybody's scalp and everybody's skin. When it overgrows, it creates inflammation and irritation, which creates redness and itchiness and increased cell turnover, which creates the flakes. So there are a few approaches. One is to kill the yeast itself. And that is what happens when we use these over-the-counter dandruff shampoos that contain zinc, pyrithione, uh, sodium sulfacetamide, and some uh, ketoconazole. Um, but you notice I said zinc. One of the dietary factors or even topical skin factors that may help would be increasing zinc in the diet. And zinc is found in nuts and seeds and a lot of our fruits and vegetables that we would normally eat are the whole grains. So if our, if our diet's a little bit low in zinc, we might have a little bit of a flare of dandruff and we might be able to eat some more nuts and control it through the diet. The other thing that affects seborrheic dermatitis and dandruff is actually sun. So going through the winter, sometimes people's dandruff flares because we're indoors more and we don't have as much sun exposure. So that can be a factor too. Note this dermatologist is not telling people to go out and treat everything with sun because I don't want anyone to get skin cancer. And also since we're talking about aging, that same sun will also create features of aging. So I just wanted to mention it as, you know, if people notice it seasonally cycling through, that could be a factor. Good caveat there. And let's grab uh, two more really quickly here before we call it a day. This question comes to us from Charlotte. Good one. Can fried foods cause acne because of the grease that they contain? Fried foods can cause acne in some people. You know, I always say, if you feel like every time you eat a certain food, you break out the next day. I will not tell you that that's not true for you. Exactly what's causing the breakout after eating fried foods isn't 100% clear. Is it eating all that extra oil? Is it eating the extra processed carbohydrates that are usually surrounding the food you're eating? Is it eating the, the meat or the fish that is usually fried? Or is it that the fried foods trigger inflammatory cycles in your body and inflammation triggers acne because acne is basically your, your follicles and your pores on your face becoming inflamed. So anything inflammatory in the diet or in the lifestyle like stress will trigger acne. And last question comes to us from Lana wants to know, how will drinking a green smoothie in the morning affect my complexion? Can you get benefit from uh, eating your greens or drinking your greens, I should say, in the morning? You know, I, I love this question too, because we want people to get as much, as many fruits and vegetables into your body, the variety, high variety um, on a daily and weekly basis. As Dr. Will Bolsowitz says in his um, fiber fueled book, we wanna aim for at least 30 
different fruits and vegetables and whole grain plant foods each week uh, if we can get it. So smoothies are a way to pack in a lot of variety and get a lot of that stuff in. Uh, I feel like I'm just quoting all of the greats. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Michael Greger answered this question in a live uh, talk that I, that I attended back before we had to go through all this distancing. And he said something that was, I thought was really helpful and valuable. He said, whatever food you put into the smoothie is still healthy, but one of the problems with smoothies is that we tend to drink them down very quickly. So all of those calories go in us much more quickly than they would if we were trying to eat and chew all of that food. That can spike our glycemic, our spike a glycemic index, which can spike our blood sugar, which in turn spikes our insulin. And high blood sugar and high insulin are both directly damaging to our cells, to our organs, and to our skin. And I didn't even get to talk about insulin resistance and how what a what a huge role that plays in this in our the health of our skin in so many ways. But the trick with a smoothie is to remember that you're not chewing it and to sort of trick your body into thinking it's chewing it, drinking it more slowly. We want to keep it in, you know, keep it in your mouth a little bit, maybe sort of semi-chew it a little bit because some of the digestive enzymes that are healthy for us start in our, in our mouths when we're chewing and then take sips of it over a long period of time. If you fool your body into thinking that it's eating the stuff in the smoothie, it's quite healthy. Um, and it's not quite as healthy as actually chewing and eating the individual foods. But if we slow it down so that we get full at the same time we would have gotten full if we were eating, then it's, it's pretty good for us. You have so much knowledge. You've acquired so much knowledge about this. I think that anybody who were to step foot in your office would really just reap enormous benefits. So I cannot thank you enough for sharing a lot of your wisdom with us here on the show today. Thank you so much, Chuck. It was so much fun. And like I said, just a very exciting day for me. If you are living in the New York area and would like to schedule an appointment to work one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Krant, you can do that right now. Hop on her website, artofdermatology.com, or give her a follow on Instagram, at Dr. Krant, the Skin MD. That's at D-R-K-R-A-N-T, the Skin MD, on Instagram, a great follow. And I cannot thank Dr. Krant enough for coming on with us here today and talking all about this. The cool thing about the exam room live is that it does give you the opportunity to interact one-on-one -on -one with our experts. And there are so many great questions that get asked each and every week. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard from podcast listeners who hear the replays of these live shows the next day and say, these are my absolute favorite shows. Thank you so very much for putting these out every week because you do get the opportunity to ask a little bit about everything in one Q&A. It's just really, really cool. So mark your calendars. Join us every week, Wednesdays on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's when we do the exam room live. And that is your best opportunity to ask our experts whatever is on your mind. And if you want to get your question in ahead of time, you can do that by tweeting it to us 
at PCRM or at Chuck Carroll WLC. Just make sure that you use that hashtag exam room live. Now the show today, in fact, was all about the skin, but I also want to talk about the heart because coming up on Saturday, April 17th, again, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, the Physicians Committee will be holding a heart health immersion. So if you're looking to lower your blood pressure or take control of your cholesterol or fight heart disease, this is the event for you. It features live cooking demonstrations from experts and you're going to hear from heart health doctors and experts here at the Physicians Committee as well who are so well steeped in this cardiovascular science. Plus, I mean, for goodness sakes, you get the opportunity to work out with Beyonce's trainer, Marco Borges. And you see the fantastic job that he does keeping her in tip-top shape, as much dancing as she does up on stage. You know that she's in shape, and he is the guy behind this. So you're going to get the opportunity to work out with him at this Heart Health Immersion. And that is on Saturday, April 17th, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And you can register for that today by visiting pcrm.org immersion. And if you register with a friend or a family member, you guys register together you get a discount. So go ahead and sign up today, April 17th, pcrm.org slash immersion. And before we go, I have a favor to ask of you. And that is to help us, please save a life. And the easiest way that you can help us do that is just by subscribing to the exam room by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, really wherever you get your favorite shows. And when you subscribe, please also leave that five-star rating and a nice review as well, because every new subscription and five-star rating helps to get this information to those who need it the most, those who are feeling hopeless today, those who feel like their health cannot improve, that they are trapped in this unhealthy body, in this unhealthy life, and no matter what they do, nothing is going to work. But the fact of the matter is, there is something that you can do. And it does not have to be all doom and gloom. So let's get these people some hope. Let's get some people the help that they need. And you can help us out by saving a life simply by subscribing to the exam room by the Physicians Committee, wherever podcasts are available. And please also leave that five-star rating. And that's going to do it for us today. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Jessica Krant for being here and helping to raise our skin health IQ. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs>